Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name is Ian Child and I'm here with Richie Clapson. Hello, everybody. And in this episode, we're going to be picking up where we left off in uh, episode nine, I think it was, of season one, when uh, you spent some time with our friendly legal eagle, Mr. Paul Sams uh, from Dutton and Gregory Solicitors, talking about all things relating to property law, didn't you? That's right. And uh, Paul's got some uh, you know, some more great content to give us today, including how to get a free £25,000. Wow, sounds great. Really looking forward to that. So, um, so yeah, another week's completely uh, flown by. Uh, has it been a good one for you? Actually, I'm, uh, I'm quite excited this week. Ooh, what's that? Well, uh, we've been planning our relocation strategy, haven't we? Oh, so, yes. Uh, <laughs> we've been out looking at potential sites, which I have to say... Uh, I do quite enjoy doing. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite good fun actually. We've um, we've seen quite a few now. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Do you have a uh, do you have a favourite? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm a bit of a torn man. The city centre one uh, we saw was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you nice. know, I quite like the other one, the old farmhouse complex in the middle of the countryside. Although I think we might have blown our chances with the landlord's agents after you tried to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that one might be out. We might be in the city. Why? 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 Uh, why do you have to bring that up? And anyway, I didn't kill him, so it won't be a problem. Um, you do have a habit of making mountains out of molehills. Okay. Don't you? Well, let's let's just rewind a little bit, shall oh, we? Let's go to. back to the start for our listeners. We were due to meet the agent at 3 p.m. Uh, when you turned up at uh, what time exactly? Oh, I can't remember. It was it was just after three. I can't I, I can't remember exactly. Twenty past three. So I'm left talking with the agent, waiting for Laughing Boy here to turn up. When he eventually does, skid into a halt across the car park and nearly, uh, you know, decapitating the agent in the process. That's not how it happened. It was a, a gravel surface and it's quite a powerful car. I, I didn't see him, frankly, lurking next to your car. I mean, I don't know, has he not heard of Be Safe, Be Seen? He was wearing a dark suit, standing next to a dark car, talking to a midget. I mean, how was I expected to see He him? wasn't lurking. He was actually cowering. You know, the look of fear as you hurtled towards <laughs> him. I'll never forget it. You could see. He's like his whole life was flashing before the poor fella. Anyway, so you, you get out of the car you know, with the tyres still smoking and then you introduce yourself. And immediately, immediately, it looks like we're not remotely connected to each other because I'm there in a suit and for some reason you turned up in a kimono. <laughs> What do you mean a kimono? I, d- I just rushed there from the gym, so I have my gym kit on and a, a thinking you, tracksuit. You over really the top. wear that outfit at the gym? What's wrong with it? Well, nothing. I mean, but you look like an extra out of like a Bruce Lee workout video or something. That's all. I mean, it wasn't quite a professional image that we tell our <sighs> students to portray. That's all I'm saying. And uh, unless, of course, they're going to view in a dance studio. Okay, I agree with that. But if you remember, I'd only been able to get us in there at very short notice. So the choice was either that outfit or not show up at all. So you had a 50% chance of uh, getting it right and you still blew it. <laughs> anyway, look, look, we get shown around this place and uh, it's full of people who are currently working there, if you recall. And uh, okay. I can tell you they were all a bit bemused to see the, the two suited and booted businessmen, which is me and, of course, the agent. And then there's some other bloke who looks like he's gate-crashed a Kung Fu Panda children's party. <laughs> and, 
and might and might break into song and dance at any minute. <laughs> did, you, did you even watch Kung Fu Panda? Well, anyway, no one, yeah. no one batted an eyelid. I can assure you. They're probably still bemused by the way you dropped off when I said I like the big office no, in the corner. No, no, no. I didn't drop off. I couldn't you give a don't. stuff who has which office. If you want the big office, you just go for it. Knock yourself out. Just remember, you know, what they, what, you know, they say about men with big offices. I didn't say I wanted it. I just said how nice it was. That was all. And then you just went all stroppy and no, wandered off. No, I thought I'd go and check out the second largest office as soon as you were, were getting all, uh, you know, territorial. Well, I guess you technically are the second largest person, at least by... By height, so I suppose there's a certain symmetry to uh, to you having the second largest office. Anyway, then then what was really embarrassing is that you asked to use the loo. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, did you see me? You write that in a training handbook. When on a viewing, be sure to ask the agent if you can take a quick dump before you leave. What did you expect me to do? I'd got the call from the agent. I was twenty miles away. I had to be there in twenty minutes. So I leapt out of the gym into the car and drove like the blinking clappers to get there. So, sorry I didn't have time to get changed, take a shower, go to the bathroom. Anyway, I didn't have a dump for goodness <laughs> sake. You know, I can't quite believe we're actually discussing this. And then, and then, bizarrely, you asked if you could check out the kitchen and then you proceeded to inspect the sandwiches oh, in yes. the fridge, if I recall. That was weird. That was weird. <laughs> all the sandwiches were labelled Kevin, but all the staff were female. Do you think that's weird? Well, perhaps, perhaps the sandwiches were called Kevin. No, 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 no. I reckon, I definitely reckon, it's, it's just something felt strange about the whole setup. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps they, they'd done something to <laughs> Kevin. Okay. You know, I mean, thinking about it, we probably should have asked what, you know, Kevin might have been held hostage. <clears> I think you're overthinking it. I mean, I mean, how many sandwiches were there? Uh, six. Okay, so we can safely assume that one of the following is true. Okay. Either Kevin is a big lab with a healthy appetite who happened to be out when we visited. Oh, That's a possibility. Six sandwiches. Or, or Kevin's the name of the sandwich delivery man. What about that? Ooh, a bit lateral. Like it. Or they like to name their sandwiches and coincidentally all pick the same name. Mm-hmm. Right? Or you're a complete dog. <laughs> Which one do you think is the most likely? Mm, can I think about it? No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> And of course, and then the agent rather uh, pointedly said that the fridge belonged to the current tenants <laughs> and wouldn't be included in the package. <laughs> well, I was just curious. Anyway, moving on, I agree. I, I, I thought it was a nice place. Yeah, but that wasn't all, was it? You oh, know, we, we, well, come on. We decided to convene in the local pub to discuss our thoughts. And funny enough, the agent says that uh, he's about to meet the landlord. So we drove out of the car park with me following you. And then you, you drive right up to the backside of this Range Rover. Well, I was in a hurry and he was pootling along. Uh, okay. So uh, you do your customary trick of flashing your lights and flicking the bird. And next oh, thing I know, oh no. matey boy, he's been forced into a ditch and you're, <laughs> you've overtaken him. And all I noticed as I drove past was this elderly gentleman with a shock of white hair. His face is white as a you sheet. Don't half exaggerate. He kindly pulled over <laughs> and, and I simply overtook him. There was no drama, no contact. I certainly didn't flick him the bird as you, uh, you delicately put it. Okay. Well, Look, you may want to modify your hand gestures. So, because when we pull into the pub car park, I need to tell our audience this, and we go into the pub, and everyone turns... Well, first of all, everyone turns round as we walk in, since not... You think of it, not every day do you see Kung Fu Panda turn up in the pub. <laughs> Look. Hachoo! <laughs> You've got to be honest with the audience. You haven't seen any of the Kung Fu Panda films, have you? 
So if you had, you'd realise that one of us has <laughs> more of a passing resemblance to him than the other one. And guess what? It's not me. Look, and, and, and lo and behold, our estate agent friend comes in a few minutes later. Who was he escorting? Uh, yeah, this did. white-haired gentleman who looks extremely shaken. I mean, he wasn't shaken. He was, he was just old. <laughs> he downed about, I think he downed two scotches in 30 seconds. Okay, so he was old and thirsty. I really don't think it's an issue. Although, I do have to tell you, I think I, uh, I, uh, I prefer the office in the town centre for some reason. Yeah, that's because you haven't tried to kill that landlord yet. <laughs> so I guess uh, we're still in with a chance on that one. Okay. Okay, let us try and put it all behind us. Okay. Okay. Instead, why don't we catch up with the second half of, uh, of your interview with the amazing Mr. Paul Sams. So um, what, what words of wisdom did he have to share with us uh, in this second session? Well, first of all, he's never dressed up as Kung Fu Panda. He told me that. Uh, but uh, no, Paul's going to take us through the second session and um, you know, he's going to talk about various things plus this free £25,000. So shall we have a listen to, to what he had to say? Yes, let's. If you go early enough to see a solicitor, so if, you, if someone was brand new to this, my advice would be to them, right, we're going to make a relationship, build a relationship with a solicitor, find someone in the local town or area that, as you say, has got experience. So if someone came to your firm and said, well, who in your firm uh, does, you know, conveyance and developments, your That'd name would come up, Paul Sam, speak to Paul. Um, I'm sure most people like you, unless you don't want to sit down forever and ever, will be happy to have a quick conversation on the phone or maybe... Well, the thing is, you, I'm quite happy to give people my time at the outset to build that relationship because I've got clients that I've had that have, uh, I've dealt with for 15 plus years yeah. who know what they get. It does what it says in the tin. That if people call me, apart from when I'm obviously at a meeting with someone else, yeah. they'll know I'll call them back. If they email me, I'll email them back generally pretty quickly unless I'm not around that time, but they'll always get a response. And it's building that relationship because I've had people call me on a Saturday before having blind panic about something that yeah. they discovered. And it's like, look, we can't fix it today. Yeah. I was going to say I'm in Morrison's at the time, but my wife will hear this and she says, you never go shopping, it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the pub. You're in the pub, uh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I can't really fix it now, but what we'll do on Monday, it'll be fine. I'll email you later on or I'll email you tomorrow morning. And people seem to be reassured by that because it's true, because they just want to, unlike the Samaritans, yeah. Like step away from the itching bridge, it'll be okay. You'll be fine. We can fix this. Because anything done by a human being can be undone by a human being. But I think in terms of, if someone's completely new to this, it's, it's really, it's, a, it's like any professional. Go and build that relationship. Find the professional. Find, before you've even found your development, don't try and panic and find this professional afterwards. Get a professional, ask around the area. So if they were down here on the south coast, ask around. Your name will inevitably come up, I'm sure. Um, maybe just because they know you from the pub, who knows. Um, but your, your name will come up, and it will be a matter of whoever's name it is, give them a ring. Because most solicitors will be happy to take a call, yeah. have a quick chat, introduce yourself. So if, I was a, if you got a call tomorrow, but Saturday, you're in Morrison shopping, I forgot about that. So um, well, Actually, I might be, might be at home tomorrow. I think I might be, um, yes, I'm going to be at home, not in the pub. Okay. So let's say I called you on Monday, perhaps, yeah. and, uh, and you didn't know me, but I introduced myself and said, hi, I'm Richard Clapson, Paul, um, so-and-so's uh, just in, you know, giving me your name, I'm brand new to development, I'd like to know whether you're prepared to act for me, could you tell me a little bit about your experience and what sort of things you could do? Are you going to take that call? Yes. And would you expect decent solicitors in, in towns around the country? We're going to do a similar thing. Aren't if they if they don't take the call, ask why they're not taking the call. 
the one thing I hate in my profession is lawyers that aren't personal to people because this is people business. Because yeah. without sounding cliche, people buy from people. They don't buy. I'm in a great firm. You know, Dutton Gregory is a great firm. We've got a great set of people here, but it's the people that make the firm. And there are yeah. other great firms out there, but that's not the the name of the firm makes the difference. It's the people who were there. And if you don't take that call or you're not prepared to get back to people, why not? Now I'm lucky because I've got slightly more hair than you. But that's a bit I, rude, isn't it? No, well, yeah, well. <laughs> well, I mean, look at it. You haven't got a lot more than me. And, Mine, I, and mine's only short because I've I've cut it that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a podcast, people. That's why it's a podcast. But. <laughs> Um, and Rich and I look like Bradley Cooper and Brad Pitt. Yeah, so. we do. I mean, we're a couple of good-looking fellas with very slim figures, <laughs> which which is ideal for podcasting and radio. Yeah, and lawyers never lie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you don't take the call and build a relationship with someone, then how are they going to know what you're like? You've got to build a relationship with people because you're going to rely on them. It's the same with your lawyer, your accountant, your architect, the guy that's going to go in and do the building work unless you're going to do it yourself. Sure. You need to know that you can rely on people and that you can tell a lot when you have that conversation. There's nothing worse than a lawyer that's oh no, I can't, I can't speak to you. Clients of mine that I've taken on recently, they went to see someone who was a lot younger than me, I'll freely admit it, yeah. who took, gave him the big eye out. But you're quite young, so it's surprising really, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I've done it for a long time. I had, yeah. a, I had a hard paper out. <laughs> you started young. And they told me, because I was out for dinner with them last week, they said, well, we should, we'll come to you, Paul, because you've been there and done that and bought that T-shirt. Yeah. And said that you don't give it the big I am, even though you could give it the big I am. I said, well, I do sometimes. Yeah. Normally to my missus. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> so I think... You know, the take on that is that if you go, to, if you if you ring up, so someone's been recommended, you ring them up. If they don't take your call, probably not worth dealing with them. If they do take the call, my next suggestion to someone will be then, well, well, I'd ask you, I'd say, well, you know, tell me what you've done, and is there anyone I could speak to that, that would give me a good recommendation? I'm sure. Yeah, I'd, you know, the only thing I'd say on that is that because we're lawyers, we're not supposed to say that we act for anyone because um, we're breaching confidentiality. But okay. generally. I get referrals from people who have already been referred to me because one of my other clients has done it. So yeah. They've already recommended me, so you can go and speak to them about stuff that yeah. we've done. And at the end of the day, it's a small world. People know people, yeah. and they'll find out. So ask about. So if you, if you could give us a referral, so if I didn't know, let's say I was new to Southampton, I didn't know, the best thing is to get round to the local, whether it's a property network or a business network event, and ask around. If no one's heard of you, you're probably a waste of time. If someone's heard of you and it's good, which yeah. almost inevitably it would be, oh, you, of course it was. Um, then then maybe it's worth proceeding. That that would be a fair way to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, because look, there are forty odd thousand lawyers in the country. Yeah. Out of that, you know, I'd like to say my profession was amazing, but quite often they don't like getting back to people. They want to be argumentative. I mentioned earlier I point out all the problems to people on sites. So I'll always say this is a problem, but we can get around it because this. Yeah. Rather than going, look at me, I found a problem, aren't I great? Because you don't care about me finding the problem, you want the solution, you pay me the, for the solution. Yeah. And there's a solution for just about everything. People stress about minor things that they shouldn't do. Mm. Sometimes they stress about, they don't stress about the major things they should worry so about. So when they don't do the right searches and stuff. Well, <laughs> well, it's normally the fact that I'll say to people, I think, oh, I'm not afraid to tell clients, like, look, I think you're paying too much money for this. Yeah. I've seen people, they buy things because they think it'll be amazing. It's like, but what are you going to get out of it? Because if you're buying it for development, it's not the same as buying it for investment. For investment, you might keep it for the rest of your natural days. For development, I've got to know that you can sell it to get out of it. Because mm. there's no point in me like allowing someone to buy I don't know, 
an acre site to put a block of flats on, with, say it's got planning, and saying, well, actually, you've paid too much money for it because you're never going to sell flats in that area. Because it's, anyone it's, can go on right move and see that. It's a bit like you're, you're um, buy, you know, selling the houses in the middle of nowhere. Well, they're in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to yeah. sell. So, so a good solicitor, you'd say there, would actually give give their opinion and say, well, he or she might say, well, you you really want to buy this? It looks like you're overpaid. Because you you see so many sites and deals go through, you know, you, you all know as well as us as developers probably, and particularly from a new developer, you're going to know a lot more what feels like a good deal to you or what doesn't. I did a site in the Isle of Wight a few years ago for some clients. It was about 14, 15 flats and a few houses. Mm. And the houses were the only ones that had parking. Yeah. Well, there were a couple of spaces for the flats, but the flats only had about four spaces for about 14, 15 flats. Yeah. And I said to the guys who are buying it, you realise that there's no planning. And I said, all the other big developers you've told me have passed on this. They've passed on it because the parking says, okay, we're working on it. And they said, look, we knew about that at the outset, but we appreciate you telling us. We've arranged for parking passes for the next three years at this public car park around the corner. I thought, great, you've sold it for three years. Three years is long enough. If yeah. it was six months, well, not so great. But yeah. three years, that's enough for most people to think, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then they can sort themselves out. But they found a solution to the problem. Now, I didn't highlight, I just highlighted it, they already knew. But it's highlighting things that are there. Mm. Sometimes there's some pretty obvious stuff. Mm. I guess sometimes you'll see it, whereas a developer, you might be in the thick of it, and then you get, uh, developers you shouldn't, you should be very factual, but you can get emotional, because you go, I want this deal, I want this deal, and you're in the middle of it, whereas you can stand back a little bit and go, have you the thought thing of this? That got, I had some clients that I, it sounds inherited, sounds the wrong way, but one of my partners had retired, and they called me and they're doing the development of flats, not in Hampshire, and said, right, what we've been told by the estate agents is to give everyone 999-year leases on the flats and give them the freehold. I said, that's fine, but I said, I know at least three companies that I can put you in touch with who will buy the freehold from you at current rates of 20 times the ground rent, maybe yeah. a bit more depending on what the leases say, yeah, yeah. if the leases are shorter. And I said, in one case, I said, this is worth about 25,000 to you, yeah. but if you want, you can give it yeah. based on the estate agent. Yeah, well, what we've decided to do is we'd like to follow that suggestion, Paul. I was like, that's fine. Funny and that, another 25 grand. <laughs> and I do that an awful lot because yeah. people don't think, they don't think of the end game enough. They see the, I've got X number of flats and that's what I'm building. I'm going to get those flats once I sell those flats. I don't care what happens with what I call the shell, which is the freehold. Yeah, yeah. But it's that that's there. One of my really good clients, he bought a house to build another house in the garden. And after he built the other house in the garden, tarted the main property up a bit, he realised there was a double garage. He put in for planning for the double garage for two-bedroom dwelling and got it. Mm. And I remember during the course of it, he said, do you think I'll get that? I said, well, I don't know, I'm not a planning consultant, but it looks big enough to me and we can sort of hyphen, you know, siphon it off. Yeah. So when we split the land, when we do it in the sales, I was like, well, just transfer that bit off now. And he sold it on and made an absolute killing. Yeah, yeah. Massive amount of profit. So just thinking, just to sum up in terms of what we talked about today, there's some key things that you brought out today which is quite interesting. So I think there's a summary of all of this. This whole development process of raising the commercial finance from the banks and, and, and any bridging or private finance, absolutely imperative that you get your, your solicitor, your commercial team on board early. And, and a good one will lead you through all of that, won't they? Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't take long. I know we've talked for how many minutes today. It wouldn't take that long. It's no. just finance, look at what it is, consider where you're buying. Because my view on, on all of this is, is that when I try to tell people, teach people to do development, 
I say, yeah, you can go and do it, but you've got to, you've got to act not like you know everything, but you've got to act like a, like a CEO, which is obviously the name of the company, coincidentally, property CEO. But if you act as a good chief exec officer, you will always then take the advice from all the good people. So you can bring someone in, you can, you can say, Paul, tell me what I need to do. So if the, la- the worst thing is to get you on board too late, but if we get you on board early enough, not only can you help us on the searches and stuff we've talked about, you can help us on all that process of all the finance, let us understand all of our personal guarantees and all those processes. And also what we've just touched on the end here, you're gonna better help us on, like you said there, you've mentioned to someone about freehold, you've, you've put another 25 grand on the bottom, bottom yeah. line for and them. The, and it shocks me how often that I do that. Freehold and, one, and, yeah. Yeah, the freehold one is a complete shock. I know we're all talking in the press that they're gonna change it. Yeah. Whether they do or not, I don't know. But there's always going to be value in freeholds, always. Yeah, however it's done, there's value there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I've got one at the moment, and there is about, yeah, 35 grand freehold value. That's better, yeah. that's better than a kick in the teeth, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's what I, I say, it's your free money. It's the thing that you don't have to do anything better no. for. No. And I said most of the guys that will buy the freeholds will pay your legal costs as well. Yeah. So you get another 1500 It is free money. Yeah. So <clears throat> all of that advice, it's a good lawyer on board, will give you all that advice and steer you all through it. So the sort of summary of all of this is actually go go to your, your local lawyers, find some good ones, ask around, give them a call. They don't answer, don't want to talk to you, move on. If you can't find anyone else, you can always call me. Yeah, so, it, it, but once you spoke to them, find out if they've got experience, have they done it before? They need to have done development liaison work before, don't they? If they yeah, haven't. It's, it's like everything. If you went to a doctor and said, you, you know, do you know about yeah. heart surgery? And they go, yeah, I do, but I've never really done one. You want the guy that's been cutting up chess every single day, seven hours a day. I love day. that analogy, yeah. yeah. And so and the same thing, if you go into development and you're about to make a, a pretty substantial, maybe six-figure life-changing sum of money out the back end, you want the solicitor, like the heart surgeon, who's done it time and time again. Yeah, and you want yeah. the aftercare, I'd yeah. say. You know, you don't want Good the... Good point, yeah. Because once, when you buy an investment property or buy a home, that's it for a certain number of years and you can sit pretty on it and you can do whatever you want with it really. You can stay there yeah. or you can keep the investment. When you buy a development, then you need the solicitor to know that you're buying it with a view of getting out of it. You're not gonna hold it. Yes. And I've had a few people recently where they've brought stuff to me to sell and I'm looking at it, sort of shaking my head from the outset going, well, I think you've missed a trick here and here and here. Mm. I'll help them sell it and we're pretty successful on selling them but I can see things that they've done wrong at the outset that if it had been tweaked ever so slightly differently and wouldn't cost them anything, it would have just saved them the heartache. Saved the work. So, so it is getting in early enough and sorted out. And then um, from, your, from, from people's point of view, if, if, if they uh, like the fact that they can ring you whilst you're in the pub on a Saturday, you work pretty much anywhere across the country? Yeah. Um, I've got currently developments all the way across from outer London all the way down to... Yeah, it is in Plymouth, so it is just into Cornwall, just yeah, the right yeah. side of the Tamar Bridge, um, all the way up to the northeast where I'm from, but you can't tell. No. Where are you from in the northeast? I'm from Newcastle. Where are you? Oh, I, hide it. I hide it well. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Only when I'm in the pub or watching the football. Good stuff. Well, that's good. So, so if, if people want to get hold of you, Paul Sams at Dutton Gregory, we're going to uh, put p.sams at duttongregory.co.uk or my direct number as per the website 02380 He's done that before in that advertising bit. We're going to stick your details if it's okay with you onto our website so people can go onto there and contact you if they like what you said. Okay, so that was uh, our second part of the interview with Paul Sams who's a uh, a partner from Dutton Gregory Solicitors. Uh, he's down here in Southampton, so I'm sure he'd be more than happy for you to contact him. So that Fantastic. was quite interesting, wasn't it? It was very interesting. 
So, I, I mean, top three takeaways uh, mm. for me out of that. I think one of the first ones that probably comes out is speak to your solicitors long before you need them so you can build this relationship. And I guess this is the same with any any professional out there. Build that relationship. A good solicitor should, uh, as, as Paul said, be willing to take your call. You know, if they, if they don't, it's probably not worth bothering with. Yeah. But be honest and tell them that you're new and, uh, you know, they'll help and guide you. And we've said this before. I mean, it's, it's very much similar to the uh, interview we did on one of the po- early podcasts with Andrew Fennell at Taylor Hill and Bond was, just be honest. Tell, tell them where you're at, that you're new, and, and you know where, where you need a bit of assistance, and they will help you. So build this relationship, I think, is really important. And it's quite it's, it's refreshing to hear that a solicitor, you know, such as Paul, is saying, come and talk to me. Come and talk to me, yeah. and we'll, we'll build a relationship and we'll get on. A second thing is uh, you know, a good solicitor will better give you their opinion on other parts of the potential development deal uh, because they see so many deals. I think that is massively useful advice. Yeah. So Agreed. they're not just there saying, oh, I'm going to be doing the conveyancing, this, 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 and this. As Paul was saying, uh, if he doesn't think it's a good deal, he'll tell you. It's only his opinion. You can do what you want. But isn't that great that, that someone who... Yeah, it's like an accountant. Uh, you know, accountant sees loads of businesses. So I'd always be listening to an accountant if they got some advice on mine. And so Paul must see loads of deals, far more deals than we ever would get involved in, going across his desk. And he must see the good ones and the bad ones. And, of course, he sees them from beginning to end. So he knows what's good and bad. It's not just a guess. Yeah. So if he's willing to share that knowledge, I think that's great. So I think, you know, if, if your solicitor's not willing to share that, and they're not going to give you details and names and addresses, but... They're going to give you the principle and their opinion. I think that's brilliant. Someone that can comment on other stuff. But it makes them part of the team, doesn't it? That's ultimately what you're trying to build around you is this team of professionals. And if they're able to add value in that way rather than just stick to the knitting, um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. And, and of course, the third one has to be, you know, the freehold value of, uh, of sites for flats and flatted schemes. You know, as he said, it's often overlooked and can be worth, you know, a lot of money. I mean, an yeah. example he talked about there was 25000 for a small scheme. And that's not unreasonable. I mean, I know, we, we, I know that. You know that for mm. a fact. And as he said, it's free money. You don't do anything for that. And, and, and I love that. And this is what we said right at the beginning of this podcast. He's going to tell us how you get a free 25K or more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that one thing I would say is when you do your deal analysis, I'd always encourage people not to use that as part of the criteria to get your deal to work. Yeah. Have that up your sleeve as a bit of bunce. There are, there's often talk about um, restrictions on freehold government, trying to make sure that people don't rip people off with freeholds. And that's fine. I think they'll be around on flat developments for, for a long, long time because I don't see any other solution. But always have that as a bit of bunce. It's a really nice thing if you leave it off your sheet or have it on a secondary sheet and you can come back to that. It really then generally feels like a free 25,000. So for me, that's a a good point. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks, Richie. That's brilliant. And thanks also to Paul. Uh, Really appreciate his time. Some great advice there over uh, two episodes. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. So please do join us again next time when uh, we'll be giving you the inside track on another part of the property world. In the meantime, uh, feel free to check out our other episodes. And of course, you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from us, Frank. Goodbye.